fired up for this. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell Pro Wrestling Edition and a busy week indeed. You already know. Wednesday nights are the best in the week. Maybe all you need for pro wrestling, but this week, of course, it goes further. You need to know and need to get fired up for what's going on this Sunday Survivor Series. We got the extended preview for you today, this week. Man, what a week to be alive as a pro wrestling fan. What a week to be subscribed to the State of Combat podcast. Not only are you getting everything you need in the third boom period on this week's pro wrestling show, the Survivor Series preview Do not forget to check out some bonus pods we got coming your way this week. Stone Cold Steve Austin stopping by this pod on Wednesday. Heavyweight boxing champion Deontay Wilder on Thursday. You're not going to want to miss all of this. You're not going to want to do anything but inject that needle. Yes, untraceable, unmistakable. It is the performance-enhancing audio coming at you that only your boy, the Brian Campbell can deliver. Uh, let me bring in my broskies here to chop this up. A lot going on in the pro wrestling circles this week. Here's my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Uh, he's on the way to becoming 2019 professional wrestling podcaster Booker of the Year. He got a stone cold. He hedged a few times. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, BC, long day of podcast recording, but there's plenty of wrestling to talk about. As you said, I'm going to cut my intro short here. Wow. Just going to say, you still sound washed, my friend. Wow. Wow. Look at this guy taking taking shots. All right. All right. Luckily, um, luckily, I'm fired up to talk wrestling, Adam, despite all of our angry listeners who just can't handle the truth about what's really going on in pro wrestling today. You took some shots on Twitter. That SmackDown is not for you, not for us. It's still really not for anybody, folks. So wake, get woke to that. Your boy's telling the truth, bed sheets or not. This match was a slap in the face to every wrestler that takes pride in his profession. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about there. More on that to come. And also, there's a third man on this show. Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on? Live and direct from Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Outback Jack Crosby. Cross, how is it, bro? I am once again ready to talk about some sports entertainment. Let sports entertain the people. Did I step on? Did I stab people in the heart last week? Coming off of a, a long break, you, telling them you you oh. piss some people off. It's typical BC. You come back, people are excited to hear you, and everything's bad. So that that's all it was. People people were really excited for BC to come back. They got. You know, and I would be too tired of Silver King hosting, I think, two or three shows in a row. They want BC to come back, talk WWE, talk NXT, talk AEW, and they felt like you pooped on two thirds of it. I, think. I am sick and tired of playing around with kids. I'm here to get on with the big boys. Wow. Hey, all right. How about that one, Lex? Um, <laughs> I'm sick and tired of. Um... I don't know. I'm sure I make more enemies. I don't know, Adam. I just feel like, look, here's the deal, okay? We're all adults in this room. We can all like different things, but we're not going to hide what we love and what we feel is up to par and what is not. I'm just so blown away 
that there's people that grew up only knowing WWE, and that's fine. And by the way, if you grew up and came to wrestling at a certain year when WCW was taking a backseat, and there, it may have been the only game in town. You may only know Brett and Yokozuna. So there's certain people that have only known a life. Maybe they didn't watch wrestling until 2002 for the first time. They have only known a life in which Vince has taken the wooden spoon and stuck it in their mouth. So the idea of challenging their core beliefs and or liking something else better it's weird to see the reactions of people man it's it's like it's like i stomped on their savior there it's like guys this is not religion or politics this is pro wrestling and friday nights just not getting it done guys can we be honest about this you know 2018 some summer slam adam didn't move me god we keep going back i don't think the audience that we are speaking to is unaware, so even those that do not watch anything besides WWE, I don't think they're unaware of what else is out there. So they want, you still have to remember, and I talk to Jack about this all the time because we talk about it from an editorial standpoint of what's getting traffic on the website, what are people watching, what kind of stories do they want. There's an AEW fan base, there's yeah. no question, and it's pretty strong and it's good. There's an NXT fan base, it's pretty good and it's strong. But the WWE fan base is so much larger and so far beyond both of those that doesn't mean we have to like the product we're on this podcast we're completely honest about what we like and don't like and to a larger extent bc you are correct about smackdown as we all talked about last week raw it seems like something's happening there smackdown largely it doesn't although i did like a couple things on this past week's show but when you come on the pod i think and the vast majority of the listeners even if it's not all they watch, what they primarily watch is WWE, and you're basically telling them, hey, you're wasting your entire week. You could be right about parts of it, especially uh, you're that wasting your two life. hours on Friday, <laughs> but they also, they also want us to hear, they also want to hear us talk about the things that happen for better or for worse. All right, I watched Raw this week. There's certainly a lot to like. I'm just, uh, you know, there's this guy, it's at Adam Palm. It could be your uh, burner account, Adam. He's like, you know, he's a WCW AEW mark, so he's always going to be critical of WWE. No, I'm a mark of, uh, he's like, it doesn't matter what they do. Hey, bro, hey, Adam Boudreaux. Hey, Adam Silverstein. Hey, Adam X Parsons. Adam Crawley. Adam Ant. Um, I'm a fan of great steak and great professional wrestling and i'm not gonna hide that folks okay so have standards and you can do what you want with your time you want to watch all you want to watch 205 let you can do all that i'm gonna tell you whether it was good though okay that's the deal i think what you're saying is true but you are if you had to do a cross-section of your wrestling fandom you are more wcw in in the day's Prior to you know WWE being the only game in town, you did lean more in that direction. Yeah, I like I like reality based wrestling. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm, I'm not saying the, it's wrong, but it is the true. Deal. Vince McMahon is an absolute genius with a career of incredible creative innovations, creative victories. I mean, like you could, if you're going to say anything bad about Vince's career, you're, you're a joke. But here's what I do agree. There have been many times in Vince's career where I've preferred the creativity of others for being more reality-based and stiffer. I think Vince is one billion times the businessman that any of his competitors have ever been, and that's a bigger reason for his longevity than his creative genius. Deal with that one, Jack. No, I, I, you and I have talked about this before. I don't. I'm, I'm with you in that regard. Here, well, um, here's the thing. Like, Remember when Vince used to champion a certain wrestler? 
that was so good and then the company got rid of him. You want to save SmackDown, Jack? This is who you call. You're going to touch me on MC Hammer, kid. You can't touch this. Okay, that was one of Vince's brilliant moves, all right, elevating that guy. Outside of that, um, I look, I love what, when Vince is on, but the guys, there's other stuff out there. Okay, thank you. With the Triple H, we love you. In Trips, we trust. One day, you'll get the book. That's there's other there's other stuff out there and it is very good. Some of it is under the WWE umbrella and I don't think people want you to forget that. I think that is the larger point that people are making. But BC, while we're, we can talk about Raw and SmackDown and we can talk about AEW and NXT, but look in my eyes. What do you see? I see CM Punk on WWE backstage. I don't see that yet. What I see coming up right now, Adam is a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah! Dig it. Okay, BC, good tease. We're back. CM Punk here. I know you were not watching WWE Backstage Live because I wasn't watching WWE Backstage Live. Third. The second episode. Jack was not either. What was interesting Hold on, is, Adam. Are, was... we, are, we, are we breaking the fifth wall here? I thought we start our show with a structured segment in our biggest topic of the week. Look, you haven't been about that recently, but if you want to be, we can get into it. I mean, I, I mean, you're just, you're just taking, you're just taking the damn steering wheel and, and, and going up and down the road. All right, here we go. Making time. Yeah, it's shoot week. We're shooting. It's, it's those two words. We have them every week. We're entering the main. It's the main event. This guy, Adam, trying to make towns. I'm going to try this a third time here. It's like 12 o'clock at night last Tuesday. I'm about to go to sleep. I say, you know what? I have WWE backstage DVR. Let me start watching it. I get five minutes in. I open my cell phone. I pull up Reddit and I see, oh my God, he's back. As like a, a thread, I click it. It's CM Punk. I fast forward to the end. CM Punk returns to WWE TV as an analyst on backstage. This had been rumored for quite a while. Um, you know, there were reports that he went in for a screen test. First two episodes came. He wasn't on them. They did some test episodes. He wasn't on those either. Here's the question for you. It's twofold. Are you excited to have CM Punk back? That's number one. Number two, if he never wrestles again, and this is all he does, is that enough for you? It's hard to say it's enough for me until we see the Tuesday night show, first of all. And as we record this on Tuesday, the first episode of CM Punk being on the show, WWE Backstage will air later tonight. Um, this is inter- This is all very interesting here. Hmm. Um, am I excited? I'm excited for WWE Backstage, which I don't think is a perfect show, but I think since the start of it, they've gotten a lot of things right. There's elements of kayfabe on there, but I think when they do that, they do it in good ways to elevate the product. But for the most part, it seems largely like a review show, like we're shooting a little bit, like we're telling the truth, or at the very least, we're non-kayfabing for the most part. Do I have I loved up to this point that it's been all WWE contributors and talent and people on the payroll and the roster? Absolutely not. But I love me some Renee, and they've had a nice mixture of people. The idea of bringing in CM Punk, the idea of bringing in a guy who you never, ever, ever, ever thought would have rejoined with the company and letting him loose and letting him shoot, which he's teasing on Twitter that he's going to be doing is in a lot of ways massive news. But I think it's massive news for Fox and for WWE backstage on FS1 and not massive news for wrestling and wrestling fans like it got played out when it was such a giant breaking news story this week. 
Now, look, he's signed with FS, with Fox. He's not signed with WWE. That's confirmed from many people, including me doing my own legwork on that. He does not have a deal with WWE. Did they have to uh, wink yes and approve for him to be on that show? Probably, given how cl- close behind the scenes with Fox they are working on this project with them. But he signed to Fox. It's potentially great news if he adds spice and shoots and gives real takes because at at its core, I think that's what that show needs to be. I love the fun and games and Renee doing a fake promo and throwing dollar bills in the air and some of that stuff is good. But that needs to be an honest conversation about the wrestling product today. If he can do that, that's great. Does this make the idea of him coming back eventually at some point a lot closer than it has ever been? Of course But we never thought Phil Brooks was going to come back and do business again with Vince McMahon for a reason. Because the separation seemed more acrimonious than almost anyone else historically, including the previous guys like Bruno and Jim Helwig, who we said would never come back in this spot. And because CM Punk seems to be so damned stubborn as a real person, as Phil Brooks, and into what he wants to do only... I have this fear that he only wants to do this. So in the long run, if he doesn't cross over again, it may be really good TV for FS1 and WWE backstage, and that's not an awful thing. That show has potential. But I find it really hard to find a super level of optimism that this means in his heart that he's coming back. And if it did, outside of some creative idea in which they would secretly infiltrate some actual storytelling within that show. Let's say on that show, he starts ripping Seth Rollins week after week, and it builds to some angle and a comeback. I mean, it could be great. But from the idea of here's a guy we never, ever thought would come back, yet we'd heard some dirt sheet rumblings that he'd been talking to Fox, and how they did it was putting a scarf over his face and holding him backstage at the Fox Studios for this unpublicized reveal. Now, look, I like unpublicized reveals better than tune into SmackDown tonight because we're going to show you something awesome. But this is CM Punk returning. This is a, like, WrestleMania moment or a Survivor Series this Sunday in Chicago moment. And the fact that he did things with AEW like do StarCast but never committed to that and the fact that he kept his MMA career going at a level when it would just kind of became sad and he was so stubborn and not needing to do that for his own good and that's fine if you're a celebrity with connections you can do that I don't have any confidence that we're going to get anything but Phil Brooks and Phil Brooks may be good to entertain us on a Tuesday night show but unless I'm getting CM Punk and unless he's being plugged into the business right now, we're creatively, holy crap, you can do a ton with him because of how abruptly he left in almost a different era. I know it was 2014, but it's almost a different era. He could be the perfect antidote to the idea of competing with your competition and with the idea of what is stale about the product today. And you got this guy known as a shooter coming in. I don't I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying I'm not feeling it. I'm not pissing on this. I just feel like we've grown to know Phil Brooks enough that this seems like a Phil Brooks news, not a CM Punk news. And if it ain't a Punk news, why is this not happening at WrestleMania? Or why Sunday night are we not having the main event? And then you hear Call of Personality play yeah. out at the end, and he walks down, and you're like, holy crap. That's That's my main issue with this. Like, don't overthink this, like you said. Phil Brooks is a Fox employee, and that's all there is to it right now. 
Does this open the door for him to step into the ring again? Of course it does, because he's around WWE talent. He's around WWE personalities. So the room is there for him to get back into the ring. My first thought after seeing this last Tuesday was, did they really screw themselves for Survivor Series? And then as I'm watching Smack the, the ensuing SmackDown and Raw last night, they're promoting the hell out of this. And I'm thinking, okay, you are telling fans, you are inadvertently telling fans that CM Punk is back with WWE. Because a lot of pe- people aren't in tune with the internet wrestling community. So if they're watching those promos on SmackDown and Raw, their, their, their first inkling is to say, oh, CM Punk's back with WWE. They don't know any better. So now your Survivor Series is in Chicago on Sunday. The fans are going to hijack that place. And credit to WWE, even though we don't know the NXT teams, they have given us an awesome card for Sunday. Awesome. But it could all be forgotten if you have 15, 20,000 people screaming for CM Punk and he never shows up. Imagine if he captains the, the NXT teams and we got suddenly a Nexus invasion. I mean, there's, there's got to be huge potential there. for well, a million I mean, different storylines. I think of anything you use, first of all, I don't think they're going to hijack the show with CM Punk chance. I do think we'll get one at some point, but I don't think it's going to be a In hijack. Chicago? I say, I said we're going to get one, but I don't think they're going to hijack. Well, I think we're getting more show. than one. Okay, we're splitting hairs. It doesn't really matter. We're not really but, splitting hairs. You're saying no, we're just getting you, one you and it's passing those, you think, you, So you think during every match they're going to chant for CM Punk and ignore the... Oh, it's a good possibility. It's okay. a good possibility now that he's back at the fold. Okay, you're wrong. I think you'll get one, maybe two, if something boring happens. I'm sensing a, an Austin McMahon-like rivalry between you two coming out. Maybe no, it's that's just, ridic- just a ridiculous thing that you think that someone's going to pay for a ticket to go to a show, and during every match, many of which are going to be very good. We're talking. Have you never seen? Adam, have you not been watching him? WWE yes, the last five years? Something boring happened. When something? No, boring. no, no. With him, knowing that him that he is back. Chicago. Are you kidding me? Hey, Jack. Are Chicago fans mostly smart fans or no? Yeah, and they know that Phil Brooks is then around. They know, then they know he's with Fox and not supposed to come back to WWE. They love that man dearly. Okay, well, if they hijack the show, we'll talk about it in the instant analysis, but they're not going to hijack the show. I think you'll get chance, yes. Adam, when, when they hijack the show and we talk about it in the IA, will you, will you eat the slice of humble pie? If they hijack the entire show, I'll be wrong, yeah. Now, I said, now, I said possibility is there for them to hijack it. You're saying they're going to. I never said that. I said the possibility is there for that show to get hijacked by those the, people. Dude, the possibility is that Steve Austin comes in and, and faces CM Punk in a surprise main event and stuns him. Anything can happen. It's not going to. No, if this event was in Houston, I wouldn't worry about it. But you literally just int- reintroduce CM Punk when you're, one of your biggest pay-per-views of the year is in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, and that doesn't they're mean they're going to want to see him. And that doesn't mean they're going to hijack the entire show to see him when they're smart fans, and most of them know he's not back in WWE proper. What do we consider hijacking? How many chants during how many matches? You're ta- hijacking the show is every every segment ninety percent, seventy five percent. It's it's a significant majority of the show. If they chant his name twice during boring segments, that's not hijacking. That's going to happen. They chant it. Before he was back in WWE, but I'll then see. again, with the way they Kevin, chance his, they chance his name in Memphis, Tennessee. When, you know when something's boring. See the, 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 the other part I hate about this is Kevin Dunn screws with the audio so much we might not hear it. I don't think live. I'll say that. this, guys: if CM Punk does not my point, show up in any form Sunday in not, Chicago, and by the way, I'm here to tell you he won't. It's yeah, it, they've out. almost set it up to be a massive disappointment because what you said, there's almost sort of this. Bait and switch if you're not following it close enough that the no. announcement everyone's reading of the headlines is CM Punk is back. And They've made it very clear that you will see him Tuesday on the show 
anyone who's on the internet, which is most people in 2019, especially fans that are going to be at a Chicago show, which are Smarks, know that he's back with back, with backstage and Fox and not WWE. What I think is possible is they utilize his chance from the show and make that into something for backstage where they say, hey, the fans want you back and they play it into a storyline. And maybe that's why they introduce him now before the show as opposed to the show after. That's, I, that is what I think is possible. But you have to remember, Goldberg didn't sign with WWE. He signed with 2K. Same with Sting. They ended up wrestling in WWE because once they got them back around wrestling and near the family, they were able to convince them to start doing things again. And that is what I think is possible with CM Punk. I don't think we see him at Survivor Series. I don't think we see him at Royal Rumble, though that is maybe a greater possibility. But what I do think is possible is that when Phil Brooks joins this backstage show tonight as we're taping this podcast, and then he hears his name chanted on Sunday, and fans want him back, and they bring, they bring it up the following episode. And then Vince calls and says, hey, Phil, how about $10 million for one match at WrestleMania? I think that is something that's possible. Well, he'll never get that uh, for Mania. Punk, he may get Seth that for Punk. Saudi when the Sultan rings. When the Sultan calls the red phone, uh, I'm he simply may saying, get that. I'm saying a big payday no matter where Saudi. it comes um, yeah, I've had too much Phil Brooks Punk. in my life. I, it's hard to watch that UFC run out of my mouth. It made him look too human. Really, too human. It made him look yeah. pathetically human. So yeah, I the, hope that we're going to get a lot of CM, like I said, because I almost saw too much Phil in that Fox reveal of him coming up to the camera and, and giving the line, and he's going to change the world. I hope. I hope he grabs the microphone Sunday night, interrupts the broadcast, Adam, and delivers this. Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Good God, that's well, great stuff. Before we, do, before we get off this topic, I do want to say, because you brought it up a little bit, it's not great. But I am very much enjoying backstage. Number one, it would never work without Renee Young. I think we all know that. The reveal of CM Punk I thought was great because they legitimately hit it from everyone. You have Paige audibly. Is this a rib? Like, is this actually happening? Samoa Joe surprised. Everyone is shocked that that actually happened. So it brought some realism. And the fact that they let them speak about things in a non-kayfabe manner, but just not to the extent where it totally breaks it, it makes it an enjoyable show. Not every segment's great, by the way. I think David Arquette is going to be on uh, this week's show. I um, they, they have uh, celebrities and athletes that actually like the product. They bring them in. So it feels like something that is fun that you would expect WWE to do, even a little bit more so than talking smack and you know raw talk which were yeah, still very much in cafe but they were unscripted the show's this, too dark like turn the damn lights on get a this, desk in there yeah. there's too many people on set like there's some things they can all i almost really just personal taste i wish it was that peter rosenberg bring it to the table show i wish it was something like that just blown up a little bit more with as long as Corey graves isn't on it i agree with you oh, i love me some Corey graves all right yeah. yeah but in that show he really was over the top um what I've been most excited about since the uh, Phil Brooks, Corey uh, uh, Fox announcement, CM Punk, which I still think there's elements of bait and switch to it, is the Twitter war that has spun off between yeah. to, because Phil Brooks tweeted, added Tony Khan. Suddenly Randy Orton's getting involved. Now we're digging up old sins of Shad Khan and Randy's end uh, bomb that he dropped during that live Twitch segment. And I could not be eating this up more and loving it 
because they're 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 going to war. They're competing, and is there some shameless elements to it? But I'm of the belief, and I said it from the beginning. You either do it or you don't. It's black or white. If you're AEW and you're launching or NW or anybody else, you either admit you're in competition because you are and go for it and play dirty and bish off your ass off or you just basically ignore that they exist and only worry about your product. I love this. I, lo- I got the popcorn ready. I got the, uh, the Big E gift going to eat in the pot. I mean, how could you not pop for this? I think it's just you're right. You have to make a decision which direction you're going to go. AEW kind of publicly says, hey, you know, fans can wear whatever they want, and you know, but but we're going to take down any signs that are anti-WWE. We don't want to be about that. But then you have Tony Khan, you know, bringing up stuff like that on Twitter, replying directly. And all CM Punk did was put his handle in. He didn't call him out. He didn't say anything about him. He shoots on the Saudi Arabia thing, shoots on Randy. It just kind of was like, what direction are you going to go? Because on one hand, you're telling Kenny Omega not to get in arguments with WWE superstars, but then it's okay if Tony Khan does it. Granted, he owns the company. I'm but just it, saying... It felt like pick, he was like upset. Saying, pick a direction. It pick, felt pick, like, pick, without pick. knowing and without digging in dirt sheets, because I'm really done with dirt sheets. F dirt sheets, first of all. Um, I, I know it's a source of entertainment for people, but F, you, F your feelings, F your football, F your dirt sheets. I like what goes on on the show. Um, I will say this. I, it feels like he's mad at Punk for... Being too much Phil Brooks for being this sort of stubborn dude that I'll come to your star cast, but I won't in Chicago, but I won't cash in and go to and appear on your show or join your company or all right. this. So it just, also feel, wait, it also feels like he's a little bit mad at Randy Orton. Yeah. It's like he, he's talked about him using them as leverage. Well, you can't use someone as leverage unless they actually have interest in you. And there is no doubt. Jack and I said it while you were gone, BC. If you're going to take anyone from WWE, Randy Orton is actually near the top of that list. So if he used him for leverage and then signed with WWE, a good for him because he got more money. But B, he's pro- Tony's probably pissed. So I, I was all all for Tony coming out and firing. Bring it now for for yeah now for people who don't know, Tony Khan is infamous for this, especially with his soccer club. Like he will go on Twitter and just get into the most random arguments. So now that aspect of him as a person is spilling over into the pro wrestling world. Because AEW was so prominent. So now we're getting to see a little bits and pieces of that. How he is on Twitter. Which I don't agree with. But that's a different discussion for another day. I don't agree with. I, I agree with being able to get into arguments. But not the way he does it a lot of times. He doesn't come across great when he gets into these little quips. Like like last night it came across to me. As much as I love AEW. It came across to me as someone who was spurned by Randy Orton and CM Punk, okay. and now it's like, oh, I don't like you, I don't want to be your friend now. And it appears it, and it's like, no, that's that's a bad look, dude. Right, like, like is he going to spout that same public criticism if, he, if they signed Orton? No. No, would, probably not, no. Like, yeah, but not. Orton so, escalated it. Orton took it next level. Orton wasn't even involved. Like Randy's Randy. Uh, we love Randy. About, he made a comment about Saudi. Randy stood up. I mean, I, don't, I didn't see it as that huge of a deal for what Randy said, or really what Tony said but he did take a very public right. shot. People follow CM Punk. He has more more followers than a lot of wrestlers in WWE. Right. He knew what he was doing. You know, I was convinced. I was thoroughly convinced even last year, and we spoke about this. I was convinced that CM Punk was going to show up at AEW. And I think it would have happened. But what I think threw the wrench into things, and what, what I theorize happened here, where Tony's angst comes from, is that they offered him a lot of money, obviously. But to be more towards the end of a full-time performer, even even though they don't do house shows or anything, but more towards the end of a full-time wrestler for AEW. 
Fox jumps in and says, how about we give you similar or the same money to just sit there and talk with Renee Young? And not every week. And, and, and really not but, every but week. But that's the lamest went. part of the reveal, that it's not and every week. Punk, then it's like we're tricking people to believe he's yeah. back with WWE. He's not. And, punk, and it's not even and, every week. And Punk, I think, weighed those options. And obviously, if you're his age and you have those two in front of you, even though AEW says, you know, once a week dynamite, we do quarterly pay-per-views. But then Fox comes to you and says, but we want you to just sit here and BS. I'm taking the BS money. And, and I got to be honest. Let's not forget, though, about Punk. He, he's good in the ring. But his best asset is his mic ability, his ability to speak. So having him on this backstage show is actually a good fit for him. And I thought it was interesting that WWE tried out Samoa Joe in a color commentary role on Raw, which, by the way, I thought he did a great job. Because what I could see happening, maybe in a Jerry the King Lawler-esque move, is down the line, CM Punk goes to the Paul Heyman-produced Raw, becomes the third or second guy on color commentary, and just like Jerry the King Lawler, during the early, not the early phase, but maybe the middle phase of him on color commentary, gets into a feud now and then. Yeah, Remember yeah, yeah. The, the Jerry the King Lawler Bret Hart feud. Important feuds that mattered for major characters. So I do think the most likely progression for CM Punk is to go from backstage to raw commentary and get involved here and there with stuff. You're never going to see CM Punk as a full time professional wrestler even along the lines of Brock Lesnar. I think it's more likely that WWE utilizes his greatest asset and pays him accordingly and gives him these few right, well opportunities in the, the core ring of, if he wants them. Of what you're saying, and that's not a bad idea, but fans came at him with you sold out, and everybody sort of rallied against the fans for saying that. I do believe a spirit of that. I do believe a spirit of that in the fact that, like, if you're not just going to say, I love this business too much, and I've buried the, the hatchet, and I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back in roles in which I'm, you know, fighting against the company and all that. To do it this soft and weird, to me, it, it does feel like a sellout to some degree. He seemed like the guy who didn't want to talk about them more than anyone in an interview. said, I'll never come back to pro wrestling. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even like it. You know, like he was on and on with that degree. Always sort of letting you down in these interviews because he didn't want to talk all this trash about them. But he also was basically like, I'm never coming back. And now he's back, but in a weird way, working for Fox, talking about them, but approved by them. It just feels like, dude, they sent you that firing letter on your wedding. Like, you sued each other. Like, we had, you know, like, it's like, I don't want him to carry the grudge. I'm not asking for that. It would have been cool if you went to AEW and became the mouthpiece to Rip Vincent Hunter every week. Sure. But I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have some kind of weird feeling of some kind of quasi sellout with what he's doing here. It's not, it doesn't scream cool, but, this, uh, but I think that's fair. But what, but the, the, to a point now, I understand this will change if he gets back into the ring, but to a point BC, him being an employee of Fox sort of masks that where it's like meant to not make him feel like a sellout where he has the out to say, well, no, Fox is paying me a crap ton of money, not Vince. I'm not taking Vince McMahon signed paychecks. I'm taking Fox paychecks. And I guess, in a, again, in a weird way, you'd go, well, all right. And then he could say, too, but look, I'm taking Fox paychecks to rip the product. Let's, well, that, that's what we're going to find out, right, Adam? If, if he does. Yes. Yeah, that's what we're going to find out. And let's not forget, too, and I'm not going to compare it exactly to Ariel Helwane, but, you know, you have Satin, Ryan Satin, who's this quote-unquote, quote-unquote, 
news correspondent for backstage being paid by Fox, supposedly not WWE. You have CM Punk doing the same thing. ESPN hired Ariel before they got or as they got the UFC package. UFC is not paying Ariel. In fact, obviously, long term, they don't like him very much. So I think you can draw similar comparisons because backstage is supposed to be like UFC tonight was right, BC. So you can kind of say what Jack is saying, which is you can say I sold out. Vince ain't signing my checks. Fox is Rupert Murdoch is number one. Number two, if he does go back to WWE, I don't want to hear a damn word about him selling out. Everyone sells out. Everyone has a price. Vince and trips make amends with a lot of guys and, and girls that you never thought they would. They come back. There is still a top dog in the world of professional wrestling. It's WWE and they have more money than ever. And there's a difference between selling out and selling your soul and becoming a corporate shill and just getting a paycheck from a company that you used to hate. Those are two very different things. Well, it's a, largely a moot point until we see. They may have one big chance, and it's tonight. And if he comes out and sort of makes wise cracks against Vincent Trips and yeah. is able to toe a line but legitimately deliver an, you know, criticism in an out, like it, it could be instantly must watch. It would be interesting to see what that dynamic would become with WWE and Fox behind the scenes and how much they would allow it. The worst thing that could happen is if he comes back and is completely uninteresting and completely non controversial and just too much fill. We need CM. Come on, lay the pipe bomb on me, big guy. Come on, go ahead. But it's an interesting hire for Fox and Adam. I know that you know personally that hiring can be a slow process. Uh, I mean, you hired Jack Crosby. took you a damn while to get him in here. It's not easy to find good talent. What do you know, though, about Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Moskowitz? What did he do when he needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company? I'm, I'm nailing this read. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, you know, he was having some trouble, let's be honest, finding qualified applicants so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. It's technology BC and Jack that identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates to apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones right away. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. And with results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five people who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. That's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is something totally different. ZipRecruiter.com slash C-O-R-N-E-R. And I'm going to give it to you one more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And let me be frank, I got that hot sauce. Oh, man, we need him back on the air. Uh, Adam, you have anything else that we need I, to talk about? Um, look, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin this week on a bonus pod. People can't wait for that. We're going to have a full Survivor Series preview uh, later in the show. Uh, anything else monumental? You got any other brain busters? Not so much brain busters. Uh, it's a little bit of a mea culpa, but also I kind of wanted to get both of your takes on this. SmackDown, Friday night, largely forgettable. A lot of invasions, not much really happening on the show. What I did find really interesting, and not so much on first watch, but definitely when I watched it a second time, was the show closing 
segment where you had Daniel Bryan going toe-to-toe on the mic with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, really more Bray Wyatt than The Fiend in this particular promo. Uh, Bryan kind of explaining he's mentally unstable, mixed with passion, uh, and that is why he can't decide basically if he's heel or facing. He doesn't know where things are going. Uh, you have Wyatt trying to get into his head, inviting him to the Firefly Funhouse. Brian basically saying, no way I'm going there. There was a no and a yes chant back and forth between him and all the puppets. And then eventually Brian invites him to put up the Universal title at Survivor Series, uh, to which Bra- uh, Bray Wyatt starts chanting yes, starts pretty tame, becomes manic at the end. I initially, seeing this, I thought it was convoluted. I didn't love it. Um, I had no freaking idea in the entire world why you would have Miz, who is totally unnecessary, in a segment with two of the best promo guys in the entire company. He stirs it up, man. On on second watch, I still hold that Miz thought. But Brian was phenomenal. Bray and the production and, and the smarts of having the characters answer yes to Brian's no, and then Bray to almost turn into the Fiend without actually becoming the Fiend on screen, I thought was brilliant. This is a storyline that has gone from zero, I'm not going to say to 60, but to 55 miles an hour in two weeks. And I am a huge fan of what they did after initially saying that I hated it and thought it was insulting. I totally came around on second watch, paid more attention to it. Do you agree with me? Did it save SmackDown? Or if it didn't save SmackDown, no, it didn't do you at least Smackdown. appreciate how good of a yeah, sound it was? Yeah, we're going to get into this in-depth later in the Survivor Series preview, so I'm not really going to touch what it means long-term. But I loved it in the moment. It was great. And SmackDown, I- I'm not joking around. I'm not trying to be a, a, a heel. It- it's getting unwatchable. It's the same recycled crap. And this was the only thing, I think, in that episode to me that jumped out as not feeling like, oh, we finally have a good moment. Oh, here comes another run-in from another show. Is that the damn right. Lucha Dragons? What the hell's going on here? Which has really been the theme of the last week in WWE. This was brilliant. It's great. When you put two power players together, and I actually love the Miz's involvement because of his history winding up Daniel Bryan and the fact that Miz's job in this segment is to completely stir the pot. Almost Roddy Piper style. Loved it. Jack, I told you I, I did the SmackDown recap for CBSSports.com, which is not what I normally do. I told you I hated it. It was insulting. I did not get to speak to you to tell you I turned around on it. What did you think when you first saw it? Because we have not conversed about it. I actually I actually didn't mind it. And e- even the inclusion of Miz. I know I, I like the inclusion of Miz simply because we're doing this this angle where Brian is losing his goddamn mind. He, he he's losing all the marbles, whatever he had left. So what you're encompassing here is the guy across from him, his longtime nemesis who makes him lose his mind. And now you got someone in Wyatt, a new force that's making him go completely bonkers. So Brian just has it all around him. And they did do a very good job because it could have been very easy for them in that segment where Brian is teetering toward that baby face side again. And Miz is a baby face for them to just forget their history. But when Brian came out, he's like, look, I still hate your freaking guts. And this show sucks. Like, it's like, okay, you're keeping steady with that. That's good. And the way Bray just played with his mind and then the callbacks were the simple stuff. You know what you did. And for us that have been watching for years, we know what he's talking about. When Brian tricked the Wyatt family, he's like, you know what you did. And this is why I'm coming after you. Uh, I, I love it. I did. I disagreed with you on Friday. And it's gl- I'm glad you turned the corner, but I understand the Miz inclusion. I liked it. The only small complaint I would have is it seems but the, again, this is the timing of the draft and him going to SmackDown and the whole thing with Rollins. It felt forced, like real quick. Like yeah. this came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, okay, all right, we're doing Brian. 
Fiend. And Miz, apparently, was supposed to be the original opponent for Wyatt, which is where it gets really strange because that, that SmackDown where everyone missed, that was the Miz, Wyatt, Miz right. TV. And there were, there were local advertisements for the next few weeks at house shows of Miz versus Wyatt. And it was kind of like something happened in there where they said, no, we're going to do Brian instead, which great call because like we learned at the Royal Rumble 2014, Brian and Wyatt can have a, well, it's Daniel Bryan, but a fantastic match. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I do. I think it's a one-off. I think it's, I think this is a one-off because I still don't think they're quite sure where they want to go with Bray. But if this is just a one-off, like I think it is, you can't ask for anything better. Yeah, I do. I think it is that too. I think they probably do this Miz angle going into the December pay-per-view and then figure out whatever they were going to do leading into Royal Rumble for sure. Similarly on Raw, I thought there was, I thought Raw was great, straight up great for three hours. And BC, you can tell me whether you agree or not. Yeah, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to slice your heart up right now. That's fine, and we'll and we'll get to why I think that in a minute. But there, the one segment that I thought stood out clearly was Triple H and Kevin Owens. Um, whether you like that it stopped in the middle of a match, great match, uh, or not, and made that a no contest, that's up for debate. But I do think the callback to him supporting Kevin Owens over Seth Rollins, uh, Triple H trying to get Seth Rollins into the fold either last week or two weeks ago, and now going after Kevin Owens, not attacking him, not an ultimatum, and then undisputed error coming out at the end while there was brawling going on and attacking Owens, and Triple H being pissed at Adam Cole about that. I thought there was so much happening in that segment from a storytelling perspective, both for NXT itself and for the Survivor Series build. Is Owens going to change sides? Is he not? It really stood out to me as a great moment from Raw. Did you feel the same way, or for you, was it just, oh, here's Triple H again on the screen? Yeah, um, you you just summed it up in a way that I didn't take from watching it, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. That actually made it sound really good. Uh, it was certainly not a bad episode at all. Raw is going in the right direction. You guys are right. Raw's in-ring quality this week was fantastic. Yeah. My problem with that is they ended every match the same exact freaking way. We don't have anything written because we're in Survivor Series month, so we're going to roll out two guys you really want to see together that we probably should save anyway because Rollins-Andrade is such a guarantee that it's going to be amazing that it should be for any of the titles in a major pay-per-view coming up. But you know what's going to happen. You're not going to get a finish. And on top of that, it's going to be another just sort of faceless invasion like it's it's too much, guys. It's too much. They didn't have anything booked. They got lucky with the whole Saudi situation that they were able to plug NXT in and people responded so well to it. But they have stretched this out to a level that while it's not completely unentertaining, it's just unoriginal. And Adam, you when you tried to talk me off the ledge last week, you were basically like, give him a chance, man. After this Saudi season's over, after this survivor series season's over there's nothing left for them to do but start telling stories hey start telling stories okay because i can't keep living in this world where it's like here's a great match but it's not gonna be a finish and it and it it was a little bit too much of that jack i want i want you to weigh in and kind of split the difference here but that's exactly what they did they set up a rollins andrade story they set up an alistair black buddy murphy story buddy murphy 4-0 now by the way since coming to raw uh, they set up a Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens storyline because they beat the absolute hell out of each other but didn't get a finish. I hate that there were three non-finishes. And I hate that they were basically all through invasion of either SmackDown or NXT. I agree. But if there's ever a time that you're going to do that, it's on a go-home show for Survivor Series where you're expecting invasions and you're trying to pop ratings. Jack, where do you stand on this? 
Uh, on the, what the, the invasions or uh, both? You guys talking uh, two different things. Well, I I kind of wanted to talk about the Owen segment. So tell me what you thought about the Owen segment and then about Raw as a whole. Uh, I understand I'm going to be the heel to a lot of people, and I kind I think I said this that in the Raw recap this week on CBS, but next last week I'm not the biggest fan of Triple H being Mister General. I don't like it at all because the point of NXT the NXT inclusion in Survivor Series, but Make them look on par with the main roster. Does Raw have Stephanie McMahon leading her charge? Does SmackDown have Shane McMahon leading their charge? Why do they need... We're, we're trying to not present them as the kids, but yet there's Dad every week holding their hand. I don't like it at all. I well, don't. Now, it'd be okay if he pats the, if they do something well and you do a segment, say, on NXT, or even backstage at Raw. He pats them on the back a little bit. But this whole thing, we're here coming with... I don't need to see that. Before you continue, the reason why is because if you don't watch NXT, you don't know these other people, and Triple H is legitimizing them. I don't. Uh, I'm I telling you, that's why they're doing it. That's I I'm think they. I, I just my opinion. I think they come across as more legitimate. There's just these guys that. And, but that's what your commentary team is for. That's what you pay them for. Explain sure. who these guys are. That's their job. That's fair. That is fair. Um, as far as Raw as a whole, but Raw as a whole, again, it's it's the theme. I sound like a broken record optimism yeah something like a buddy murphy four and all the the in-ring product is just fantastic now i've hopped off the bobby lashley rusev lot of thing i and i said i said in the, the recaps i said this could either go south or continue it went south it went south <laughs> it went south and i jumped i jumped off the ship yeah all right. i said that's Ta- enough i'm out tape but machines no, are rolling Ra- fellas Ra- we gotta wrap this up here and get into our bulk of our survivor series preview uh, unless you want to keep going on this, um, uh, Rusev uh, uh, didn't. Here's the here's the thing. Do you agree, Brian? Do you agree with what Jack and I had been saying for weeks now? There is reason to like Raw and to believe that Raw is the show that we thought SmackDown might be in yeah, ring product quality, like long term storytelling, good people, etc. SmackDown's unwatchable. Raw is promising, but even Raw needs to get out of the WWE tropes. Raw needs to start telling actual stories that have reveals. It's not that I'm against the WWE way of doing things. Do I prefer some things that AEW is doing, some things that NJPW is doing, and prefer the 2019 actual style of presentation, which is no longer the indie style? It is wrestling style, yes. WWE can tell you a great-ass story. Tell us stories. Stop breaking things up. Actually do what you are initially used to do. I can eat your flavor of food. But, but cook it to completion, all right? That's what I'm talking about. I don't need any more blood, all right? Cook it to friggin' completion. That's it. No more blood. No more talk. It's over. We're going to hit up the Survivor Series preview right now, the Silver King and myself. Don't forget to go on to YouTube and check out the video format of the same thing coming your way, breaking down all things Survivor Series. We'll be back on the back end, if you will, to tie this thing up, talk a little Wednesday Night Wars with you. Enjoy it. Coming at you right now. Oh, yeah. The second longest running annual pay-per-view in the WWE invades the Windy Cindy on Sunday when Survivor Series hits Chicago live on the WWE Network. You know your boys at the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports are here to break it all down as the worlds of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT combined and invade Sunday evening. My name is Brian Campbell. Along with my co-host joining me by the magic of Skype, he's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. 
And Adam, when we look ahead to this loaded Survivor Series card, we're getting a little bit of what this card has been about for so many years. The idea of it almost being an all-star game. The stars of one brand going up against the stars of the other. We're also getting a little bit of sort of those dream matches, those one-offs that we'd seen in the past in recent years when the likes of Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles got together for one night only. As things stand right now, how fired up are you as we get closer to Sunday night? See, you said as things stand now. And right now, I'm fired up. But if you asked me that same question a week ago, I would have said, eh, I don't know, it is Survivor Series, so I am excited. But they haven't really done much to get me going. But what they did to close SmackDown on Friday night and Raw, all the entire three-hour show of Raw on Monday, legitimately got me excited for this card. As you said, it is built with dream matches and the addition of NXT to the annual Raw versus SmackDown brand supremacy show injects some new life into this. And it's new life that WWE badly needed coming out of the new brand split in October where things didn't really feel as if they were actually split. So now that NXT is involved in this and they've been injected into Raw and SmackDown, and let's not forget, we have NXT TakeOver War Games 3 the night before. This is setting up for what could potentially be a banner weekend for WWE. And it's not often outside of WrestleMania weekend that you can actually say that for this company. Yeah, this one certainly has the star power, the potential for memorable matchups that really makes it feel like a major. And in this era of the four slash five majors for, for WWE, because, you know, there's times when money in the bank can very much feel like one to go along with Mania, Royal Rumble, and SummerSlam. Sometimes Survivor Series has felt like the you know, the ugly stepchild. This time around, it feels big. And if you're a lapsed fan or you aren't into the day-to-day, it's such a wild time in pro wrestling, not just because of the launch of competition in AEW opposite WWE, but even the in-house competition with NXT being elevated to its own weekly television spot, now considered really for the first time on an even playing field with Raw and SmackDown in terms of brand supremacy, which is the theme heading into this podcast. Before we break down, or I'm sorry, heading into this pay-per-view on Sunday, before we break down Adam match by match and really look at these big names going up against each other, I want to ask you this question, though. You said you were really fired up coming off of the the recent sort of set-up almost go-home shows leading into Sunday's card. I want to ask you if you feel like the juice is going to be worth the squeezing in the end. And that might not sound weird, but here's what I'm trying to say. When you look at these matchups on paper, anything from Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar to the, the Fiend Bray Wyatt against Daniel Bryan and all the team matches in between, it's hard for me to even put on my most cynic hat and try to argue with you that these won't be killer. These sound like they will be dynamic. And in recent memory, WWE has done a tremendous job at the idea of doing these Raw versus SmackDown team matches going an hour long in some cases and really giving you a well-booked feeling. Has it been worth it in your eyes for the entire build, which has had moments, right? The delay coming off of the Saudi Arabia show where NXT had a plug in on SmackDown on that fateful Friday night that sort of started all this. There's been some memorable moments, some memorable matches, but there's also been a repetitive sort of copy and paste, very vanilla idea that every show... Somebody from another show is going to show up, and they're going to brawl. But did anything really get accomplished? Did did they say anything? Did anything really happen? I feel like watching the last two weeks of WWE television, I've sort of had a hard time like really separating each of those brawls and going, what are what are we doing here outside of just constantly advertising that Sunday night, November twenty fourth, 
all these people are going to get in the ring against each other in certain categories. I agree with you on that. You know, the prior two weeks before last Friday and this past Monday, I felt the same way. It's like we're having these invasions and brawls for the sake of having invasions and brawls. But you have to remember, when WWE does a real brand split, you need to find a reason to build momentum towards a show where you're talking about brands going head-to-head, supposedly, for the first time and only time all year. So it seems like it's been more repetitive this year because the brand split had the wild card rule and it wasn't really much of anything coming out of WrestleMania all the way from April until October. But over the last couple of months, these brands have been split. And if you want some interaction between, you know, a Randy Orton and a Roman Reigns, for example, the only way you're going to have that happen is if one invades the other brand. It did feel repetitive to me, but last Friday and this Monday, the juices did start flowing. On Monday, they presented a three-hour Raw that was just excitement from start to finish for me. The closing segment to SmackDown, uh, The Fiend Bray Wyatt against Daniel Bryan, uh, setting up that match gave us reasoning and storyline, and WWE's giving us the things we want. The other thing you have to remember is anytime you come out of one of these Blood Money in the Sand Saudi Arabia pay-per-views, every single time it invades the storyline space in WWE, it, it creates like a, a chasm almost where it says, you can't build for your next pay-per-view because we have to get this out of the way first. So now that they're past that and they've started building for the show and, and they started repairing some of the issues that, you know, went down during that broadcast, um, I feel like we're on a really good track for the show. And as you said, the card is absolutely stacked, BC, and you almost start with these elimination matches, which we're not going to go through bit by bit. Because each of them has 15 people in them. So you have five from Raw, five from SmackDown, and five from NXT. You have both a men's match and a women's match. So in totality, you're talking about the invasions and building towards this. Are you excited for this? Is the addition of NXT enough to make these super interesting for you? Or is it almost a bit overkill that you're having a 15-person elimination match? Not one, but two. Yeah, you know, to, to echo the theme I sort of laid out there in the build to this, It's felt very much like we only know how to play this one song, so we're going to keep playing it over and over again. And it seemed like a very faceless sort of constant ongoing invasion that we're only booking for this card on Raw and SmackDown for the most part. We're not building toward the future outside of maybe the one or two top singles feuds. So it's felt like, you know, have a shot every time you see a really good in-ring match like we saw, for example, with Seth Rollins and Andrade on Monday night but you know inevitably somebody's going to run through the crowd and break it up. That sort of vanilla-ish feeling I'm hoping doesn't carry into the card on Sunday night, but it certainly has the potential because it's like any time we see WWE put out a pay-per-view card that has multiples of the same type of match, whether it's Elimination Chamber, whether there's a Hell in a Cell, you know where I'm going with this. How many times can you tell the same story? How different can you make it without that customer fatigue coming in? The fact that NXT is also rolling out with War Games, almost its own version of Survivor Series within the NXT brand the night before. I do have some fears on that regard on how these matches will play out Sunday night. As always in this spot, especially with a card so deep and loaded, I hope they keep them short. I hope they utilize the time wisely in the matches, which they have done, and I have to give them a ton of credit leading in to make the NXT stars feel big. Yes, I don't necessarily, this is a personal preference, want NXT people on the regular being infiltrated into SmackDown and Raw because there's such a difference in the style of storytelling between NXT and the traditional two main brands. But for this one-off, 
We certainly have a chance to be entertained. They're going to have to really work hard, though, to tell separate stories in each one to avoid that fatigue. I do agree. And I think the only thing WWE actually needs to do to give these matches some gravitas, to give you reason as a fan to be excited to watch them, outside of liking the 15 superstars in each one, is to say, hey, we're going to put something on the line. Maybe they say it's $100,000 to the winning team. Maybe they say for the winning brand over the course of the entire Survivor Series, it's $500,000 split between all the superstars. Maybe for the elimination matches, they say whatever team is the sole survivor gets the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble, which is only a couple months away. There are easy elements that they, they can add to these elimination matches to make them just a little bit more exciting. But I think what WWE has accomplished and succeeded in doing is by adding NXT to these elimination matches, they're giving the main roster fans that don't watch that product, and we know it's now on USA Network, it gets a third of the audience of Raw and even less of SmackDown now that it's on Fox, but they're giving the main roster audience an opportunity to see these superstars for the first time actually wrestle, not just invade, but wrestle the top superstars from Raw and SmackDown in these men's and women's matches. So I think it's really good exposure for NXT. And if it doesn't accomplish much else besides that, that's still a win for me, uh, for WWE and for the NXT brand. Would it hurt them to let them wrestle in the NXT style? That's been a big part of my holdup and the idea of bringing NXT people to the main roster. Hopefully we'll get to see some of that on Sunday night. And hopefully... Like I said, look, in the past, they'd almost gone away completely over the last decade on Survivor Series of giving you a traditional Survivor Series match. There were years where it felt like that formula was gone. They're now going back to it. They've had success in recent years. I hope this isn't the year like we, like I feared there that it would be too much. And I hope they can use that time wisely to build the kind of storylines that maybe can end up paying off at WrestleMania or the next time we can get together people from opposite brands and do a match and flash back to that moment on Sunday night. Absolutely, BC. Now, let's get into the five main matches on this card, and we're going to start with the triple threat tag team match, the Raw Tag Champs, SmackDown Tag Champs, and NXT Tag Champs. I'm not going to go through that every single time, but it's going to be the Viking Raiders going up against the New Day, going up against Undisputed Era. And we have seen, BC, the Viking Raiders and Undisputed Era in multi-man tag team matches before, and we know they're hot fire. We've seen New Day in every conceivable type of tag team match. We know they're one of the best tag teams in the world. The expectations for me for this match are sky high. Who do you think wins, and how do you think this is actually going to play out? So you said a key thing there. You said we'd seen New Day in every type of tag team match. Except, again, in NXT style. So what does that mean if you don't know what I'm saying? It means the indie style. It means really, in 2019... What everybody outside of WWE main roster, although that's not really true because they, they, they'll get into that style sometimes, but traditionally anything outside of Raw and SmackDown is wrestled at a high work rate indie style. It's not that WWE doesn't go to that style. They prefer though that, that typical pro style, as we like to say. If this is allowed to be wrestled at the level of an NXT takeover match, think back to the classics we saw of DIY against the Revival or against American Alpha and the times they went against each other. This could have an opportunity to steal the show. This could have an opportunity to really inject WWE main roster talent like the New Day, who haven't been on NXT in a long time, or if not at all, and get them back in that spirit of fun with the idea of just go out there and wrestle the best possible match that you can. In some ways, on paper, this is the least exciting of the five matches in terms of storyline, in terms of me actually caring. I do think it has the best opportunity to overachieve, And I'm going to give you the same prediction I've given every single time we've had a match involving the Undisputed Era. 
push them, put them over. Why? Because they carry the spirit of the old factions, of the Four Horsemen, of the NWO, the idea that all the titles are in one place, which they are on the NXT side, and the idea that these guys are just straight up badass. I don't think you lose anything because of the all-star game set up in nature to this to actually have these guys go over in the end. Either way, hellacious match coming your way because I don't like what the War Raiders or the whatever you, I don't even know what they're called today. What are they called today? The Viking Express, whatever the heck they're called. (laughs) I don't love their main roster presentation up to this point, but we know they can work. And this is really a good opportunity for them to uh, win anybody like me over who hasn't really come around because of the name changes and the fact that they kind of look like a mixture of other recent WWE tag teams. Yeah, I think the whole reason to change the titles and put New Day in this match instead of Revival is to put New Day over. It's to give either Kofi a win back in a big moment that he you know, kind of lost a little mojo coming out of the loss to Brock Lesnar in seven seconds dropping the WWE title, or an opportunity to finally start a big-time push with Big E. Um, so I see that being the ultimate goal here, Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish can take a pinfall. I mean, it's not going to kill him. You know, it's not the end of the world. I don't see the Viking Raiders really factoring into the finish. Either way, they're a team that can dominate and do those incredible spots that they're both capable of, obviously. Ultimately, I think it's a situation where they kind of get pushed out of the ring at the end. You know, Kofi hits the boom drop or, or, or Trouble in Paradise or something and gets the one, two, three, or like I said, Big E. But I think it is a spot for, for the New Day to go over. It's one of few spots on this card where I think the SmackDown of, of these three matches, and including the elimination matches as well, where I think SmackDown's actually going to win one. I don't know, when you look at the card and you look at how they these things match up, that SmackDown has that many wins in them this time. So for me, this is a SmackDown match. I feel the opposite about, let's call it the mid-card triple threat, where you have AJ Styles, the United States champion, going up against Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental champion, and Roderick Strong, the North American champion down in NXT, BC. Talk about dream match. This is a dream match. You could pick any two of these three, and it's a dream match. Putting all three together, it's an ultimate dream match. What do you think is going to happen here? Well, I want to kind of correct you there, uh, potentially, because when AJ Styles and... Shinsuke Nakamura got a, together, what, a couple years ago? and there's It was still a dream match. Included a SummerSlam match. It was a dream match. They had that history in Japan. They had history as being hellacious workers. Unfortunately, we know what happened. They put together a string of matches that never reached its potential in terms of in-ring quality. They never got to wrestle the indie or the Japanese style. They, in, t- in turn, did some physical strong style, which had hints of Japanese, but unfortunately, in the end, was marred by a constant theme of kicking each other in the crotch. The idea, again, of infiltrating NXT and that high work rate style into these matches really has the potential for them to take off the parking brake, take off the, the, the wheels, and just let them go. Roderick Strong, if you don't know who this guy is, is like the most unheralded worker in professional wrestling today. He has all that indie cred from Ring of Honor for many years. He's that guy who may be a slight faceless because he's not overpowering from the idea of charisma, but he can work with anybody he has the potential to be the true MVP in this match, not just to really work and, and get the best out of the other two, although, look, the other two are great workers. I'm not trying to act like they're not. But the idea of maybe just bringing that spirit of work rate, AJ Styles can work that style. I mean, he wrestled everywhere in the world. This is a great match on paper, and I mean great. I hope we can get the Styles and Nakamura interaction that lacked from that feud 
and I don't need Roddy to go over even though I love him. He's the, uh, He may be a mechanic. He's the best mechanic in the world, and he's so great. I kind of want to see Shinsuke get some shine here. I don't love what has been done with his character over recent years. Yes, they've been giving him titles. Yes, they've put him in certain moments. They gave him Sami Zayn as a mouthpiece recently. I just feel like he settled into character mode too much. Wearing the Elvis jumpsuit, he was the rock star for a certain tre- stretch, which we all kind of gagged at. Let's let's give him a moment here. AJ don't need it. Let Shinsuke go over, but it's really the fans that are going to go over. They're going to eat this match up, and they should. I know there's just two matches in a row where I sort of say, could steal the show. Uh, maybe this will, Adam. Maybe this will, because don't forget who AJ Styles is, and you know he's drooling at the idea of working opposite Roddy Strong. Look, Styles and Strong alone, like I said, is a dream match. You insert Nakamura, even if he is part of it, you know, briefly, it's, it makes it, it, it kicks it up another notch. You're completely right about the AJ Styles and Nakamura matches coming out of, you know, WrestleMania a couple of years ago. It just never delivered because we wanted five star classic after five star classic and we got 3.5 star, pretty damn good match. It ends in a low blow like six times, right? So this is an opportunity for those two. It's almost rectify that. And maybe that wasn't their booking then, uh, at, but maybe they get a little bit longer of a leash now. Inserting Roderick Strong, I don't think I've ever seen this guy have a bad match, the Messiah of the backbreaker here. So I think ultimately he's in this match to take the fall. It is a great opportunity to elevate even further AJ Styles and the OC. Uh, I just don't really think we're going to see Nakamura get the win here. If they put it on him, if they give him the opportunity to win, to, to take out strong or even pin AJ Styles one, two, three, I would absolutely flip over it. Nakamura needs that push. He needs that, hey, we're going to roll with you as intercontinental champion, not just having the title and barely defending it, but actually building you strong into someone who can be a contender for the universal championship now on that SmackDown brand. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I think they're using Sami Zayn a little bit too much as a crutch for him. I'd never liked the pairing in the first place. I, I think Sami in this, you know, annoying role is a little bit too much. I just hope he does not factor into this match because if you do have Sami factor into it, then all of a sudden the rest of Undisputed Era is going to come in and then the OC is going to come in and it's going to take away from what a match that has the opportunity to legitimately steal the show. And that sounds crazy when you consider some of the matches that are left on the show. Brock Lesnar, Rey Mysterio. You know, the, the Fiend and Daniel Bryan. It's crazy. No, it is. It is. And, and you, you know, mentioned the ideas of interference, which is a very much a WWE trope. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about taking fan morale, taking the cynical, the worn down fans. Am I one of them? You better believe I am right now. And now is such a pivotal time with, like I mentioned, true competition, not just from AEW, but other organizations rising up and getting their close up now. This card in general, Adam, would be a great opportunity for WWE to just reward the fans you can argue on paper it's set up to do that anyway but just reward the fans these matches don't really matter you and i are kind of going well who should get the fall outside of the idea of putting over an nxt talent just for the sake of giving them shine and attention it doesn't really matter raw or smackdown in most cases who gets these wins i think when you look back at the matches we've loved in these sort of one-offs in recent years Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, AJ Styles. I don't for, for offhand remember who won those matches unless I really think about it. It's just the idea of seeing them together. So WWE, here's my passionate plea for you. No tropes, no outside interference, no tradition, no predictability. Just let hellacious workers do what they do best. And I always say it from, from day one-ish. That's how you win fans. That's how you keep fans. Survivor Series still has 
enough of that cachet where crossover and lap fans may check in and see what's going on if they don't follow week to week or they only come in for SummerSlam and WrestleMania. I'm really hoping we exit this pay-per-view, even though the storylines may not spin forward necessarily because it feels very all-star game-like. I hope we exit here going, I think there's three contenders on that card for match of the year. And I know that sounds like a lot, but look at look at who you got in your bullpen here, WWE. Let the horses run loose. I mean, come on, Adam. You know what I want to see. I want to see field spot activation. Absolutely. And I think we may get that in this next match. You said three contenders for match of the year. I think there's four because Becky Lynch, Bailey, and Shayna Baszler in the women's championship triple threat also has the opportunity to steal the show. I think it's despite WWE spending a lot of time on television with this, particularly with Baszler interfering on Raw and SmackDown. I feel like it's flying under the radar because fans are so excited about the men's matches. But what you forget is you have Becky Lynch, who's probably the most over superstar in the entire company. You have Bailey, who just did a character change. She's now a heel. She's more interesting than she's ever been before. And you have Shayna Baszler, who maybe aside from Asuka is the most dominant woman in NXT history. I think WWE sees a huge opportunity in Shayna Baszler. I talked about, I don't know all the opportunities that SmackDown is going to have to win some of these head-to-head, you know, triple threat matches. This is one of them. I think Shayna Baszler is going to go over here and I think will ultimately be the right move, BC. Do you agree with me? Or do you think that they're going to go with Bailey and try to keep, you know, pushing this new character change or just be safe and go with Becky Lynch being the most over superstar in the entire company? No, I certainly agree with you on the, on the booking. I said a lot of these all-star matches probably won't have any real lasting impact after Sunday night, meaning there won't be things that happen that play forward into storylines that could head into WrestleMania or could head into the future. This is the rare one where I say that's wrong. It does. I think if you're WWE, two things need to happen in this match on Sunday night. One, like you said, you put over Shayna Baszler, who out of all of these NXT invasions over the past few weeks and showing up, I think you can argue she's she's been the MVP of that. She's done the best job. Her going nose to nose with Becky Lynch in a promo segment, her showing up and beating down Sasha Banks, it felt like she has belonged. She certainly has that great background as a legitimate women's MMA pioneer and badass. And when you consider that she's pushing 40 and doing such great work and has been in NXT so long, it's about time for her to get this push and this close-up. That's one thing you need to accomplish, and you can do that by letting her win, by having her tap out Bailey, for example. I do not think, I'm going to get to the other point in a second, I do not think this has the same match of the year steal the show potential because Baszler and Bailey aren't on the level worker-wise that Becky, Charlotte, and Sasha have established, and Ronda as well. But I just used the word Ronda. And my second point, Adam, that WWE needs WWE needs to do in this match is spin it forward and get you fired up for WrestleMania season. And what does that mean? We all know Ronda Rousey is going to come back. She has sort of said it in her own way through her media appearances. Triple H has said it's inevitable. I know I've sort of booked the damn territory in a few different matches since Ronda left us and went away after WrestleMania SummerSlam, all those, and said, you know, this might be a good time for Ronda to come back and sort of set that stage. We haven't heard from her in a while. This is even better than those times because no one's talking about this. But here's the thing. If she's going to be back, she's going to be back for big, big business, which is WrestleMania season. Could you do any better going into WrestleMania than Ronda versus Becky one-on-one? I know they had the triple threat for historic purposes at this past WrestleMania 
But the idea of her coming in to help her heel friends, Shayna Baszler, her old training partner, help her win to screw over Becky and to begin to establish a full heel turn for Ronda, not a quasi one, but a real one. You not only set the stage for that singles match I talked about, you set the stage for an eventual cash into the idea of old four horsewomen versus new four horsewomen, which we've been a little bit pausing on because it seems like Ronda's cohorts haven't yet really been up to speed and ready for prime time. Eventually they will. Pushing Baszler on Sunday would be a big step forward in that. And Adam, I know you love you some idea of Ronda Becky at Mania. Heck, could you main event with it? Could You could do worse, right? You could do worse. And them going two years in a row back-to-back with women's in the, women in the main event, I don't know if they would, if they only want to play that card once. For me, that's a main event match. Not even a question about it. I, I like the direction you're going. I disagree with the method. I think Shayna Baszler just goes over Becky Lynch. I think she taps her out in the Kira Fuda clutch, and it provides an entree for Ronda Rousey in a month's time for that music to hit, her come down to the ring. I'm entering myself in the Royal Rumble, Becky, and my sole goal, I saw what Shayna can do. My only goal is to take you out into main event WrestleMania. I think that's as simple as you need to play it. I don't necessarily know that you need interference from Ronda, particularly because this is a brand battle ultimately, and she's not Team NXT. She's never been in NXT. She's a WWE superstar, and she's a Raw superstar more than anything else. So well, that, that's team, more of the direction I'm going. She's Team Baszler, though, and she's Team MMA. She and I think I don't look at her when she does come back as a full-timer again. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. She may have the hunger and get back on that full schedule. But in, the, in that year that she did, which was an incredible debut year, she went all in. We know that. She was doing house shows. She was doing a quasi-full-time schedule. I see her more in the future picking her spots. So I think that you can still have her cost Becky without being the 100% reason that Becky loses, meaning she could take Becky out of the match and then you still have Baszler tap out Bailey. So in some ways you do end up accomplishing both. However they want to get there, this would be the time to bring back Ronda. And I've said it before, man, like people want to hate Ronda deep inside. So it seems perfect to align her with such a heel. Could you imagine Shanna Baszler playing the Diesel role to Ronda Shawn Michaels? I mean, it just makes too much sense. It, it writes itself, Adam, all right? No, that's true. And if they do pull the trigger with Ronda Rousey, it would inject a lot more of that much-needed hype that WWE needs as it does gear up for the Royal Rumble, the end of, this, of the calendar year, and WrestleMania season. So there is really no question about that, BC. But as we move on, we're going to go to our two expected main events, our double main event. And we're going to start with the Universal Championship, where we have The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, defending against Daniel Bryan. They are going with a mental instability angle mixed with passion. It was a little bit of a clunky promo at the end of SmackDown on Friday night, but Daniel Bryan got across uh, that he wants to go after this new blue uh, Universal Championship. And you have the Fiend Bray Wyatt, on the other hand, getting across. He has not forgotten what Daniel Bryan did to him, you know, turning back on the Wyatt family all those years ago, BC. So I went from, you know, 50% excited. You're looking at the screen right now. After this happened, I was like, oh, they're going to do a Daniel Bryan Fiend uh, match. That's going to be cool. To like a 9 out of 10 following that promo on Friday and actually rewatching it a second time and really appreciating how good it was. Are you as hyped for this match as me? And do you see any circumstance in which Daniel Bryan goes over the Fiend? No, Daniel Bryan cannot. Well, okay. Yeah. No, I do see a circumstance. I can get to that in a second. I'm super hyped for it. Look, that was a very 
fun and inventive segment and to have Bray Wyatt turn into the fiend slightly and do the yes against Daniel Bryan's wishes. Look, those are one of those Gaga WWE moments that just works. I mean, it just infl- it just takes over you. You're like, you're damn right this works. I want to see this. Do I have some kind of fears that it's rushed? Yeah, 100%. Because Adam, when Seth Rollins entered into that title feud with The Fiend, and listeners of this podcast know, I had sort of cooked up the idea for a multiple-year storytelling, long-term business that would involve turning Seth heel, and it would be the way that it would make the whole story make sense, including that controversial ending at Hell in a Cell. Unfortunately, WWE seemed to either not know where they were going in terms of the story, or maybe just gave into fan demand because they say it so often on the air that the fans wanted uh, the fiend to go over, and he did. And it seemed like they just gave him the title, killed off Seth Rollins, separated the brands, changed the color of the title, and here we go. It's a little disjointed and disconnected, of course, because Seth Rollins, after beating Brock Lesnar clean twice in major pay-per-views this calendar year, seemed to be heading towards something really big, maybe Reigns at Mania next year, you know, that kind of thing. The idea of Is It Too Soon It isn't if this is just the beginning of telling a story. So here's what I don't want or need to happen on Sunday night. The Fiend to just dominantly win and be raised in the title and he got through another guy because then you're wasting a feud that has such a backstory to it of Daniel Bryan famously for really only a couple weeks joining the Wyatt family. But it's a it was such a mini storyline that that just sticks out so well to people. It was done so well to see Daniel Bryan brainwashed and in those jumpsuits back in the day if they sort of just run this through during this period where Daniel Bryan's character is so stuck between face and heel and why did they turn him back and is he psycho is he crazy and don't really do anything with it it will be a massive disappointment but they do have the groundwork built here to utilize his mental instability and indifference to turn him back to the dark side And the idea of Bray Wyatt becoming a brainwasher again and building not necessarily a family or a faction, but having the ability to turn people evil, which is such an, you know, old school, good versus bad Star Wars way of looking at it, turning people to the dark side, that it almost makes too much sense. And we don't know what story they are ultimately going to tell with the fiend heading into mania, but he's so damn over and the ancillary stuff around his character have been such a home run at every level that you know he's probably going to have the title and should heading into WrestleMania. The only way I would want him to exit Sunday without the belt is if they finally show their hand in terms of what story they're going to tell. Could I see The Fiend almost laying down for Daniel Bryan as a way to brainwash him and join him into the family? It may not make sense in theory to a lot of people, but at least it would show me that they're going somewhere with this. Again, Bray Wyatt is so special and rare and unique as The Fiend right now that he can't be like a regular wrestler. I can't have him just go out there and squash Daniel Bryan and hold the belt up and we go on to what's next. I'm going to need layers of storytelling. I'm hoping we get that on Sunday. I hope so, too. I, I Your point is well taken about rushing into this because Bray Wyatt... Just got the title, just moved to SmackDown. And the guy who we want as fans to be the number one contender is Daniel Bryan. It's not Roman Reigns. It's not Baron Corbin. It is Daniel Bryan. But don't forget what you said to me coming out of WrestleMania, where Seth Rollins won the title and his first challenger was AJ Styles. I said, Bryan, why are they, you know, rushing this? Why are they giving it to us so fast? And you said, hey, dude, they're giving us what we want. And ultimately, 
That's a good thing. This is a major pay-per-view. If they don't have plans and you have to trust that they have some type of story written out going forward, specifically for The Fiend, if they don't have Daniel Bryan factoring into those plans against The Fiend for the Royal Rumble or for WrestleMania, then there's a potential that we don't get the match at all, at least for the title. And if that's going to be the case, better to give it to us now than not give it to us at all. What I like what they're doing with The Fiend, and you see it in the Firefly Funhouse behind him, all the pictures of people with the X's crossed off over them, it seems like he has a hit list. It's like the guy from Billy Madison with the lipstick, you know, remembering all the guys that wronged him back in the day. And Glad and, I called know, that guy. And, yeah, and, and going and just knocking him out one by one by one. And it, that's what the X's represent, and poking the eyes out of all these individual people. And Daniel Bryan, if you believe in Bray Wyatt, that The Fiend is an extension of the old Bray Wyatt character, which it clearly is. He's on the hit list. Braun Strowman's on the hit list. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins from The Shield were on this hit list. So I like that he's going one by one and attacking people that need to be attacked from the mind of Bray Wyatt. There's apparently a storyline or an expectation that The Miz was going to be in this match, not Daniel Bryan. That doesn't make any sense. They have no history. At least this, they gave us a storyline tie-in last Friday on SmackDown. And let's not forget, we are taping this before the true go-home show, because the go-home show is now two days before the pay-per-view, they have another opportunity to add an additional layer to this Brian Fiend storyline. So you're talking three weeks, not one. WWE's given us championship matches with one week of build. They're going three. I'm excited for it. Ultimately, I do think Bray Wyatt wins and retains the title, but you are right. Let's not forget, this is not a Hell in a Cell match. This is not a stipulation match. As far as we know, it's a regular match. That really does put constraints on what Daniel Bryan is able to do with The Fiend. Well, that's what I'm saying here. The, not only is The Fiend such a well-told story and a build to a character weaving in his backstory that we knew him as Bray Wyatt before and, and going to such levels of what they did at Hell in a Cell to put over that he's a monster, he's a serial killer, you cannot kill him. I mean, I, I, I can't be alone in thinking the way that he kept getting back up against Seth Rollins and allowing Seth Rollins to beat on him and destroy him, it seemed obvious he was trying to turn Seth Rollins dark and turn him evil and, and, and use his invincibility as sort of this fuel and charge satanic bad guy who can feel no pain to, to, to inflict the internal pain on others. The fact that they just sort of threw the Rollins storyline up in the air really... It's disappointing and it leaves a hole, not just a hole in my optimism, but a hole in what is the Bray Wyatt story right now? Because sacrificing Daniel Bryan's character to just add him to a hit list, yeah, it moves product from the idea of getting people in the building on Sunday in Chicago and getting you to turn to the WWE Network because we have yet another sort of all-star game dream match here. But there's such an opportunity to tell a larger story that to tell a simple basic one of a hit list and cross it off and using Daniel Bryan this early in this spot. Oh man. Yes. You can talk me back into it from the idea. If you just say, look, Daniel Bryan's not going to be a part of the fiends mania plans and never would be. And Vince has something way cooler that when you find out you're going to understand, I guess I can soften with that. But Adam, you have to agree the attention to detail, the level of storytelling in the fiend, you need a storyline around that. That does it justice. Let's not forget, you're talking about, hey, if it does nothing for Daniel Bryan's character, but you and I want Daniel Bryan to be a heel again. 
He turned face inexplicably to align with Roman Reigns in a botched storyline against Luke Harper and Eric Rowan that they were trying to do something with, and they totally failed around SummerSlam. So now he's a face, but now he's mentally unstable. That's what they're, that's the storyline they're telling us. So if they use this as Wyatt beating Brian relatively easily, let's say in seven, eight, nine minutes, right? That is exactly the catalyst that someone who's mentally unstable would need to say, I can't be in this wishy-washy area anymore. I can't be this nice guy trying to take out the fiend. I got to go back to the dark new Daniel Bryan that I was recently, or it's, or maybe it's a completely different direction. So I do think this is a catalyst. Let's not forget. But, but hold on. But then why wouldn't they have done that with Rollins? How does that explain just letting Seth Rollins turn right back into happy go lucky baby face the next week? Like nothing happened primarily because Fiend is no longer on the same show, so he doesn't have anything else he can do with him, but also because they can't book Seth Rollins. We know, like, they struggled and failed to book Seth Rollins. I mean, Daniel Bryan isn't Seth Rollins, right? Like, Daniel Bryan... I like having the the, the most full cupboard, really, in pro wrestling history, the most overflowing cupboard of talent ever, and we're sitting here begging them to just tell us a story. Tell us a damn story, Vince. Pressure's on Sunday. With Seth Rollins, they turn chicken salad into chicken bleep. And they do it all the time. You saw it with Brock. They did the same thing with Roman when it had to do with Brock. They they changed the title back from Rollins to Brock to put it back on Rollins for no good reason. It, it's just always a mess with him. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to excuse that regarding The Fiend. Everything else we've seen with The Fiend, except for Seth Rollins, has been picture perfect, even on this build to Daniel Bryan. So I trust that they're going in a good direction with that. And I trust Daniel Bryan, no matter what the booking is, to spin it forward for his own character. Not everyone gets a lot of trust from Vince McMahon and the creative team. Daniel Bryan does. He's not scripted. He goes out there, he cuts his promos, and he has some control over his character and matches. So this is the type of situation where I'm not overly concerned. What I am concerned about, BC, is the final match, what we expect the main event this show. Brock Lesnar, the new WWE champion, defending against Rey Mysterio in what on Monday was determined to be a no-holds-barred match. I know exactly where this match is going. At least I think I do. I'm going to save that. I'm going to make sure you go first, PC. What happens in the WWE Championship match? Well, it seems fairly obvious from the, the, the turn of the stipulation to your heavy tease there that you probably and many others believe that all this does is open the door for Cain Velasquez to run back in, cost Brock the match, maybe or maybe even cost him the belt if it's done cleanly, and then set up a Brock versus Cain program for WrestleMania. Again, the problem with that is you gave away the match already for Saudi Arabia, and you yep. gave away a clean finish, and you gave away on day one of the Cain Velasquez experiment, him tapping out, which again should have been something that was built to at WrestleMania with a lot of shoulder stuff around that. I know in WWE's eyes, from a financial standpoint, these Saudi Arabia shows are mania-like. They use that in the promotional hooks to tell you that it's mania-like. It will be predictable and a little bit frustrating unless it's done in a way that I can't imagine. If this match goes on and it ends as predictable as you can possibly imagine, with Cain Velasquez coming in. Hopefully they will use Dominic instead. Rey Mysterio's son, who you and I have been harping since he appeared on camera less than a year ago, the first time saying, let this guy bump, let this guy be a part of it. They did to kick off the storyline when Brock brutally attacked him. 
I think now you use him to win back family pride in some way. I'm not really sure what that means to the finish, though, Adam. And I'm going to tee it up back to you to hear you're taking a second in terms of does the belt actually change hands? What happens? And I think the fact that I don't know outside of being fearful for a copy and paste Cain Velasquez finish is that I'm excited about this match. This is unique matchmaking. The idea of putting two legends together, the idea of putting two legends together with such contrasting styles and size, just like when we saw Brock Lesnar actually excited to work with Finn Balor and AJ Styles in the past and bump and sell. That's when you get a great Brock. This has potential to be a really cool match, maybe one that we remember because of that. And if they should put the belt on Ray, it could also be a sort of sneaky feel spot moment. I don't know where it's going, Adam. I don't have a prediction. I just hope it's not as predictable of Cain Velasquez thing as you can concoct. So I think going to a no-holds-barred match, I mean, yes, in theory, you could say it opens the door for Cain Velasquez and for Dominic and for Rey Mysterio to use whatever weapons he wants. But every time that Brock Lesnar has been in a match like that, he's won, right? The Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania. I don't know if it was quote-unquote no-holds-barred, but it was no DQ or it was something like that. They could use whatever they wanted, or at least it felt that way, uh, at least outside the ring. So I don't think it's that obvious that it means Rey Mysterio is going to win or that we're going to see Cain Velasquez... In fact, I don't necessarily know if we do see Cain Velasquez or if we do, if it's not anything more than maybe Brock trying to go up the ramp and Cain is there to stop him and turn him back towards the ring. But what I do think we see is Dominic. And I do think we see Rey Mysterio get weapons, get that lead pipe that he's now using and beat the absolute hell out of Brock Lesnar. Fans want Brock Lesnar to lose. They want to see him beaten down. And we haven't really seen that, even when Rollins beat him. It was a couple stomps, a couple minutes, he won. When Reigns beat, when, when Reigns speared him through the cage at one of the other blood money in the sands, the cell or the cage, whatever it was, it was a great moment. We like seeing Brock Lesnar take pain and punishment because he never does, right? And the other thing we absolutely love, and you nailed it, is we love seeing Brock Lesnar versus smaller dude. AJ Styles, Finn Balor, uh, Daniel Bryan. That's the type of match we want. Here, we have the potential to have all of it wrapped up and encapsulated in one. And yes, Brian, I do think we have the opportunity for Rey Mysterio to win the WWE Championship in a true markout moment for that crowd. The crowd is excited that he's back, but they're not buying into him that much because all they've seen him do primarily is lose or be involved in other stuff, but nothing that really has meaning. All of a sudden, you have Rey Mysterio in a WWE Championship match, probably main eventing, if it's not The Fiend, which is possible, but probably main eventing one of your four biggest pay-per-views of the year. It is a great opportunity to put Rey Mysterio wow. over and to give a title change. And the truth is, out of all of this, if you're going to do a Brock Lesnar-Cain Velasquez feud, it does not need a title. We say this all the time about Brock. Keep the, put the title on Rey, then let it take a trajectory. Let Andrade win the title. Have an Andrade-Seth Rollins feud. Allow the WWE Championship to go on that trajectory on the way to WrestleMania and let Brock and Cain Velasquez happen in a vacuum that is not involving the title. You didn't need the title for the Goldberg feud. Do it in a cage. You, you didn't need it for Roman Reigns feud, honestly, and you definitely do not need it for Cain Velasquez. Now you hit something big on the idea of a babyface pop send-off. And, and think of how pure, under way different circumstances, obviously, the Kofi Kingston WWE Championship right. win was with his sons in the ring. It was just one of those pure moments that reminds you of being a fan it really hadn't hit me the potential here for this card. Should this go on last, like you said, should Ray win? Because let's not forget, Ray's an absolute legend. 
who really got back into top-level shape for this last run, but it felt like in the beginning that WWE had only signed him to keep him away from competition. He really went nowhere for a while. Should he win the championship here? It's actually storytelling. This would be the times where we stop and we applaud because it started with him losing matches on Raw, kind of retiring, his son coming out and talking him back into it. If he's able to win the title with his son by his side, yeah, I'd pop and I'd mark out for that. That'd be good business. Again, just don't do it because of Kane. Don't do it just simply because of Kane. Have, have something else in your pocket. No, I think that's really the, the key. I mean, you, you mentioned Kofi Kingston winning. I think back to the Hardy Boys returning at WrestleMania and winning the tag team titles in that ladder match. The difference is Ray's been back. So it's not that much of a surprise that he's in the match. But I don't think fans, as much as we're booking the damn territory, as we like to say, for Ray Mysterio to win because it's no holds barred, we expect it. I think in any Brock Lesnar match, you can say to the fans, there's no way the smaller babyface is winning. F5, he kicks out, he rolls out, Dominic pulls him out of the ring. Whatever the case might be, you make it so that it looks impossible for Ray to win. And he goes on a run at the end. He builds that momentum, beats Brock Lesnar. The place will freaking explode. And those are the moments that WWE needs. You can watch a three-hour Raw like I did on Monday and think it's a great show from a storytelling and a match standpoint. But the crowd does not think about getting invested because they're always so used to being disappointed. What WWE needs to start doing, and it doesn't mean the faces have to go over, but they need to start delivering end-of-match finishes that pop crowds in a major way. And there may be, honestly, no better person in WWE right now to do that because Rollins ain't over the way they want him to be. Reigns is getting there, but he's still not over the way they want him to be. There may be no one better to do that than a face Rey Mysterio over a guy in Brock Lesnar that fans are tired of seeing as champion. Yeah, and there's a large Mexican-American population in Chicago. I really hope this could be a real special moment. And I think to close, you really just nailed what they need to do. WrestleMania-style booking, the old WrestleMania-style yep. booking, the creative st- end of matches, end of pay-per-view moments that create reactions and create big pops and, and tug on your heel strings. We need more of that. We need less of everything else, T-shirts, <laughs> TV deals, Saudi all that. Hey, that's it for Survivor Series this Sunday from Chicago WWE Network. Follow the State of Combat on Twitter. Be sure to check in our, our weekly pro wrestling breakdown. Also have individual podcasts in the sports of boxing, mixed martial arts, all the big name guests you could want, including Stone Cold Steve Austin this week, heavyweight boxing champion Deontay Wilder. We got them all and more. Be sure to check it out. For the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, my name is Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. We'll see you next week. Survivor Series now behind us, guys. Still some more wrestling to tie up some loose ends before we get there. And I want to hit you up like this with an honest statement, okay? I want to hear your updated rankings on which shows are most watchable, which shows are most enjoyable. Because here's the deal, guys. The best wrestling I'm seeing every week is on NXT. But I do believe, and I'm not taking money, and I'm not an anti-WWE, and I'm not a shill, and I'm not all these things. AEW has figured out a formula. They are putting out the most enjoyable show with the largest level of cool factor every week. NXT is right behind it at number two because the level of wrestling is so friggin' insane that I'm not even sure we're going to have a chance to talk about that opening match with Leo Rush yet. That thing could have been the best match of the week if other things didn't happen, and... I got to go NWA number three, Raw four. I'm sure 205 Live, if it's still even on, is five. I don't even watch it. I'm sure NXT UK is six. 
and then SmackDown 7. Where are you guys sort of at right now with the total combination of just straight-up entertainment? What are you most excited to watch each week with where we are in this third boom period? I'm not going to go 7D, but I will say NXT is one for me, and it's clear. I think um, going head-to-head with AEW, if you ask me to give a winner and a loser each week, I don't know how many weeks there have been. Let's just say there's been eight. I'd probably say it's like six to two NXT or five to three. It's been pretty close some weeks, but NXT truly top to bottom entertains me. The matches have been absolutely incredible. This week it was a clear winner for me, not even close. I did not very much enjoy AEW this week. So NXT won. Where AEW stands is at a two three spot. It's AEW. No, you got to make a choice. You got to make a choice, bro. Uh-uh. It's, it's, All right, it's, fine. I will say. I will say Raw 2, AEW 3, but it's very close. Uh, SmackDown 4, NWA Power 5. And the only reason NWA Power is not higher, because I very much enjoy it, is I don't like the wrestling on the show. I love the storytelling. I love the presentation. I like the storylines, but I don't really like the wrestling much. So it's close. I'm enjoying NWA Power. The fact that it's even that close for Someone like me is is pretty impressive, to be honest with you. Jack, should you be um, more upset about him putting SmackDown above NWA Power or AEW yeah. not making any of the top two slots? Dude, this show well, is it's, so it's, it's, much it's, better it's, than it's, I thought it would be. It's It fantastic. really is 2A, 2B between Raw and AEW. It's very But, I, you know, I say this all the time, and it's not a cop-out. Isn't it great that we could even have this discussion? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it really speak to the professional wrestling world we live in that we could even have this discussion slash arguments? How great is that? Now, I know we say it's too much sometimes, and there is, and there is too much, but it's great that we could even talk about this. Now, that said, AEW for me, NXT, NWA Power, Raw. Impact. Impact Wrestling. <laughs> Uncharted from independent wrestling out there. I'm trying to get smacked out as far down the list as I possibly can. ROH? No, you're not going to put it above ROH. Ring of Honor Wrestling on oh, your local Fox that. affiliate. <laughs> no, AEW, NXT, NWA Power. Raw, I, I, again, big fan of Raw. I, I, I am. But uh, no, I, but as far as the AEW thing, I, and maybe it's just because, again, Brian, you, you and I were big WCW guys. We say this all the time. It just it hits us in that feeling it that does. WCW did. When Nitro was out. I feel like all Raw has to do to really get back to being Raw again for me is just, like, stop rolling out a match that you have no intention of finishing for a storyline purpose and, to, you know, with the timing of just another run in it. Like, if you could just get out of your own way on that trope and tell your damn stories, Heyman can't lose, right? Monday, Monday night with match finishes is arguably the best show of the last seven days. I don't even, I mean, it was good promos. It was good storytelling, really good matches. They developed stuff for the future. They sold to go home for a pay-per-view at the end with a big brawl, which you can't hate because it's exactly what AEW did three weeks in a row. So, uh, I mean, Raw on Monday night was very impressive to me in terms of where I think it's going to go. That's why I have it above AEW right now. It's also coming off of this last episode I thought was maybe, I don't want to say weak. No, it was good. I don't don't think AEW's strongest. 
AEW was great this week. I'm, I know people are going to go, oh, yeah. No, it's it's really, really friggin' good. The, look, good. You, I cannot tell you how many times I fast-forward through chunks of Raw and SmackDown matches because I know what's coming. There's no, like, there. you know what I'm talking about. You know the stretches. You can trim the fat. AEW still hasn't established those tropes yet where I can't miss a thing. I get more out of their commercials when they have the little screen sometimes in terms of they just let, let the camera keep rolling and have guys walk through the backs. Like, I'm telling you, I cannot stop watching. The promos are great. The cool factor is great. The only thing I need is less JR outside of that. It's fantastic. <laughs> so regarding AEW, though, so a couple of things did happen this week on Dynamite. We'll talk NXT before the show is out. Um, I think the biggest headline everyone would agree is MJF. Turning on Cody, the fallout from that um, with Jericho in the ring and those two getting the opportunity to go mic to mic, but not against each other, but also not on the same side. And then the debut of Wardlow. So, Jack, you know Wardlow. Uh, the No, that's a, I really don't. He's a mystery to a lot that of people. We, find, we finally found a blind spot. Okay. Mystery to. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so to me, it's very Diesel Sean-esque is kind of yeah. it seems like what they're doing with those two. Uh, to me, it was almost a little too much to happen in a short window of time. But I get it. I thought MJF, the best thing he's done since being in on AEW TV, not counting being in the elite, was the mocking Cody entrance, the promo in the ring with Jericho. Oh, my God. That doesn't necessarily mean so I good. think of as highly of him as you guys do, but I thought he was great and the – I thought he stole the show on Wednesday night. I look forward BC. to a month from now when you tell us he's your favorite thing in wrestling. And I will he, say this. He may be, but he's not today. Um, that moment when he was in the ring with Jericho and they were doing their thing, I took a picture of my TV and tweeted out that, like, this is all I need in wrestling. I was so high off wrestling in that moment and so insanely entertained that the two of them could have taken a crap together and mixed it up with a spoon. And I would have been like, this is like, where, where do I sign up for more? Like it, they're hitting this cool factor that supersedes everything. Will they eventually work themselves into corners and develop tropes and all that? Probably because, you know, you can only do so much, but then again, they're only right now trying to fill two hours a week. They're not trying to fill seven to nine in all these different shows. So they have that advantage, and they've got the cool factor. And in that moment, you saw how much of a star MJP, NJ, NJPW, MJW was. <laughs> and I don't even know this fella, Jack, this big dude that's going to be his diesel. But I was so like, I need to know more. This is great. The only thing I was disappointed at is that first vignette we saw back at All Out, it had the girl ripping the shirt off him. I wish she was part of the act, too, because that was badass when they were in the parking lot. She ripped the shirt off him, and he started beating everyone's ass. Like, that was awesome. But no, like this, but this is where AEW, this is what they said they were going to do to a point. They were not going to sign your favorites just because they're your favorites. They were going to go out and scope the independent scene and say, hey, you know what? But like someone like him, untapped potential. Now, this isn't to say, that MJF is a veteran by any stretch because he's not, he's not even close, but pairing him with MJF who can talk is a perfect move yeah. to get this guy introduced. Like hell because of the way dynamite is formatted and the way that they're what I, where it benefits this partnership is that we don't see MJF wrestle on a weekly basis. Hell, how many times have we seen MJF wrestle since AEW has become a thing? Two or three, two, three. Yeah. That's Six it. Times? So essentially, he might just serve as a mouthpiece to this monster who can, 
He, the guy could work in the ring. I was able to see one or two clips on YouTube as I was trying to do research. He's not terrible. Is, Jack, aren't well, they benefiting so much from not overpowering our senses? I don't watch AEW after dark. It may be great. I'm actually so, like, filled by the two hours of Dynamite that it's leaving me wanting more. And yet they do have this other stuff being the lead, which I don't even watch anymore. To, to if you want to go deeper, I feel like they are just not oversaturating the, pro- they, the product. Like it's we already know it. WWE, it's like a victim of their own success. They've got too many hours to fill. They don't have the creativity to do it. AEW is number one because they are constantly filling that two hours with with moments and with me wanting more moments. They are doing good right now. And again, you, you like you said, they'll develop their tropes and things could change. They're doing a great job with the way their show is formatted of. We don't see everybody every week. And that's a criticism I think we've all had at one point or another on WWE. It's like, well, God, you see this guy too, especially when there was no brand split. And you'd see, oh, the guy's on Raw, he's on SmackDown. He's on Raw twice this week. He has three segments on SmackDown. Whereas AEW with the two-hour format and the, the – I mean, they do have a pretty big roster, all things considered. And it's still growing, so they're doing a very good job. If these guys are on the YouTube this week, these guys are going to be on TNT. These guys won't be on TNT in the next two weeks, but we'll bring them back in three weeks. So that keeps everybody fresh. So they're at the advantage there. But I don't, I don't know. Just for just for me, it's it's the most entertaining thing out there because they're they're hitting all the right buttons so far. All right, we, we can't be going that, on for two hours. We got to kind of pull a wrap on it, Adam. I wanted to leave room for this NXT episode, which uh, I waited until last to watch it, and it it it. It damn near changed my life. It damn near put NXT number one in my rotation. Yeah. Um, holy crap. They have a way of just kind of being like, oh, wait, people are talking a little bit too much about AEW this week. Oh, they're talking a little too much about how they hate SmackDown this week. Oh, we got CM Punk. Oh, we got this and we got that. And it's like they have a way of going, hey, remember us. And when they do from Finn Balor's coolness to the fact that it seems like any two people at any given point are allowed and encouraged to five-star your feel hole. Like, wake up. This ain't an indie thing. This ain't a hardcore thing. This is some of the best thing going on in the wrestling in the entire world almost every week. I'm pretty sure, and I would have to really think it through, Pac and Hangman Page was a damn good match, but it's one I'd already seen basically three times. The Leo Rush-Angel Garza match, we don't have to go long. It may have been my match of the week from an entertainment standpoint. It damn was certainly right. there. And Angel Garza, I've been tweeting it every week on, on Twitter. It's not a unique take by any means. I know Jack agrees with me. It's not unique. But this guy has, has the elements of Eddie Guerrero in him. He has the charisma. He speaks exceedingly well for a Mexican superstar, you know, in an English company. Um, he, he, he has the, the, like I said, the charisma, the in-ring ability. He is a little bit on the small side, even smaller than Eddie was, especially before Eddie kind of, you know, did what he needed to do to look bigger. Um, but he ha- he's the entire package. And this match with Leo Rush tore the freaking house down. Uh, it, it was an incredible way to start the show. It told you that NXT is real and that you them moving the cruiserweight division to NXT, which we all kind of prophesized and thought would happen, actually did happen. It was totally the right decision. And getting guys, no offense, like Drew Gulak and Tony Nese and kind of like pushing them and, and to the side and going with Swerve and Angel Garza and these guys who are super talented cruiserweights. It wasn't a five-star match. 
It was a four, 4.25. It was the hottest start to the show that I could have ever hoped for. But what really drove home NXT for me, I am not a Mia Yim fan by any stretch of the, of the imagination. I think she's good. I like her character, the HBIC. Very cool. Um, I think she's probably a really nice person. And from promos and when you have other people talk about her, seems everyone really likes her. I just was not a huge fan of her in the ring. I don't think I've ever seen a more badass performance from a female wrestler, including Becky getting punched in the face, including Asuka, et cetera, than what Mia Yim did in that main event. They literally stopped the match and restarted it. And after they restarted it, she took a ladder bump through a ladder, like deserved a standing ovation, deserved everything she got. I'm now a Mia Yim fan. And holy crap, if Leo Rush Angel Garza wasn't match of the week, that was. Damn, Jack. I, that, you know what? And, and it's true. Like Mia Yim, what God, like you said, performance for the ages. No one is ever going to forget that. And that could end up being her defining moment. The, um, my well, favorite like, part of that, NXT. What, that was almost better than the Nikki Cross Oscar ladder match. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it's it was insane. Better. It was slightly better. My, what I really, really liked from NXT this week. And I, I don't, I haven't seen anyone talk about it. Is that throughout the night, you knew Bailey's there. Right. From right. the second you saw them laid out, you went, Bailey's there. And at the main event, you went, you, like, you were sitting there going, okay, where's Bailey? Bailey's coming. Where is she? But they threw another surprise on top of the surprise when they said, before we get to Bailey, Kaylee Ray is the fourth member of Shane and Baszler's team, which was a fantastic. I had, Look, I'll admit, I don't watch NXT UK on a weekly basis. That show kind of lost me a little bit. Yeah. But I love Kaylee. Kaylee's an awesome performer. She's a great heel. She's been a great champion for that brand. And to throw her out there and say, of all the women, we went to the other NXT brand to get the fourth member of Shayna's team. That, like, throwing the surprise, like, you knew the Bailey surprise was coming, which sucks. It sucks when you know something's coming. But when they threw that on top to be like, here, take this first, then you'll get Bailey. And, and it wasn't Dakota Kai, which everyone thought it was because she was angry she wasn't chosen for the team. And now you have... Mia Yim hurt, and she was going to be on the team, so maybe Dakota Kai slides in. It was just picture-perfect storytelling where if that happens on the main roster, you know what happens. It's just what Ronda did. Interfere at the end of the ladder match, tip one person the over, the other person wins, and you're like, oh, okay, it was still a good finish, right? This, they gave you a match finish, and then Bailey came out, and you never see anyone get over on Shayna, got over on Shayna. It was and really I, perfect. And I'm sure they'll push that narrative this week, but now what you've done is you've turned the women's war game match into the baby faces against the two NXT women's champions. Right. Like they should really push that narrative saying, look, Shayna Baszler is dangerous enough, but now she's got the NXT UK women's champion standing by her side. Plus Yoshirai plus B how are they going to do this? They can't lose. The heels have to win that match. I am, Maybe uh, I get, it depends. Depends on the future plans because I still, before we go, I still stick to my guns of, of, this whole NXT UK or this whole NXT invasion before Survivor Series, I think for some of these people, don't forget there's a lot of main roster decision makers who this is their first big exposure to some of these guys and gals. Do not be surprised if when this summer Survivor Series is over, they might see someone like an Adam Cole they, they didn't have that this big exposure to, they'll rip them from NXT. 
and say, well, no, we'd like to, or Shayna, Shayna is my biggest example. Like we've all been wondering when she leaves there, she's done phenomenal throughout this whole angle. If I could see anyone, especially Vince being impressed by saying, hey, look at this, look at this girl. She might be ripped out of there pretty soon. No doubt about it. As we look forward to NXT TakeOver at War Games 3 on Saturday, Rosemont Horizon. Well, I guess we're supposed to call it the Allstate Arena, but it's still real to me, damn it. Um, you know what I feel on War Games? not going to go up and down that road. I'm sure they're going to be entertaining. But, guys, Matt Riddle, Finn Balor, just on paper. Like, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Trips. Oh like, God, I like, totally forgot to like, put do I want? Do, do I care about this match more than any <laughs> other this weekend? I, I think so. I think I do. I love the crap out of the build. I love what this match is going to do for me. I, I We had so much wrestling to talk about, and we had to do our Survivor Series preview, again, which you can catch on YouTube. I completely forgot that War Games was Saturday today in building our rundown and, and doing all the stuff we do before the show. That Matt Riddle, Finn Balor, for, for Gargano having to be pulled from that match, the way they told that story to replace him with Riddle, they gave Balor, you know, Balor attacked Riddle last week, gave Riddle a reason to want to have that match. There's now a blank spot still on the uh, face Survivors uh, War Games match. I think we're all expecting it's going to be Velveteen Dream. Um, but for them to weave that storyline together, it just shows how much more superior NXT is to the main roster product in terms of storytelling. It felt like it was supposed to be that way. But imagine, imagine being so wealthy with talent that you lose something like a Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano match. And instead of panicking, you could turn over your shoulder and go, hey, Matt Riddle, come here. Yeah. All right, you're going to wrestle Finn Balor. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a crazy match. It's going to be a really good show. I'm going to say this. Um, you know, we, we're, we're to, to do this on this level, we got to be crazy hardcore fans. And we are. And that's why it's easy to get so frustrated with, with certain products and be so, like, on the edge of my cliff all the time, ready to jump. But Kenny Omega's not Kenny Omega anymore. He may become that again. We don't know. Um, it's hard not to look at NXT version of Finn Balor, stripped down to the Prince Devitt, Devitt basics, doing the double gun salute when he comes out and not say right now he's my favorite wrestler like when it, and, and it's like i don't i'm not announcing that my my feels are announcing that for me when i see him getting to be that and looking that cool and knowing he can work on that level and you add in that kick that injured gargant i mean like it's just like there's nothing cooler at the moment if i never see that damn demon again i'll be the happiest person ever this guy, right now, this guy has me. Maybe more than even, you know, what Jericho's doing right now, blowing us up, what MJF's doing. Would any, like, who else is, who else is overachieving Finn Balor right now? Nobody. He's, he, you know, we kind of, especially when, by the time he got to the, we've, we started taking him for granted as he was just this, this turn and change and, you know, reverting back to NXT is like a stern reminder of why he was signed in the furry. Why, well, back further, why New Japan decided to push him the way they did. Why WWE just had to get this man under contract by any means necessary. He's reminding us of how great he really is. Can't wait. Can't yeah. not wait to see what they have for us. This show is going to blow us away, and we're barely talking about it. Sorry, folks. That's wrestling right now. That's where we're at. May need to expand to a second show 
Imagine that. Imagine the red and black coming out here. Your boy BC never having to talk about Raw or SmackDown again. I'm sure all of you are writing in, and you're <laughs> fired up for that. Hey, guys, big week for the State of Combat podcast. Uh, probably more topics we could have gone up and down the road with. Only have so much time. Check out our bonus Stone Cold Steve Austin interview episode on Wednesday. Not just hearing from the Rattlesnake, but the three of us will talk about his career, his impact, our favorite moments Spin it forward into the WWE product. You're not going to want to miss that. Also, I know you checked out the Wilder Ortiz 2 boxing show this week, getting you fired up. Going to have a Deontay Wilder interview on Thursday this week that you are not going to want to miss. Till this day, that guy does bring it. Silver King. Sunday night Survivor Series instant analysis here on the State of Combat podcast. Subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts, you should be already subscribed. If you're listening to this, maybe you're playing a stream in one of our stories. Don't forget to check out the Survivor, Survivor Series YouTube preview in case you skipped it on today's episode. And follow us on Twitter at BCampbellCBS, at Silverstein Adam, at Jay Crosby, CBS, and of course, at State of Combat. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Yeah, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Right. And we're out.